Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I can't wait to get into my podcast conversation with Richard Dizon. But before we get there, I want to talk about Exact Health Physical Therapy app. It's a new app now available in the U.S. It was over in Europe for a while. It is now here in the U.S. And I am so excited about this app for all of you. Exact Health is an injury rehab app that helps you manage your running injuries effectively. Customized injury rehab plans and curated tips guide you through the, the stages of your recovery. The injury prevention coaches will help you running safely and prevent injuries, which is exactly what all of us want to do, whether we're injured now or healthy now. We want to make sure that we're, we're kind of going along that line the whole time. What injuries are covered? Well, we got a bunch. Achilles tendinopathy, ankle sprains, calf strains, hamstring sprains, plantar fasciitis, meniscus tears, shin splints, just a full gamut of injuries. How does it work? Super easy. You just open the app. Go to the Exact Health app. That's E-X-A-K-T, Health app. You open up the app. You enter your injury rehab plan or prevention plan, and then you start it right from home. You got daily exercises, 600 high-quality videos, evidence-based running injury rehab and prevention. Oh, it's such great stuff. Now, is it safe? Absolutely. However, and this is important, you should consult your doctor or your PT before using the app to ensure that the diagnosis is correct so to make sure that you're on the right plan. Okay, but once you do that, then you're going to be good, especially if it's one of those reoccurring injuries. You kind of already know what the injury is, but you just have to get it figured out. Exact Health is there for you today. So go to Exact Health, that's E-X-A-K-T, Health app in the App Store today. Now, let's get into it. Richard, my man, is here. How are you doing? Hey, Matt. Really good. Happy to be on the show. God, see, th this is how I know I'm talking to a man who works with computers for a living, because I swear to God, your, your tech setup over there for the podcast, I think is better than mine. And it doesn't usually happen with my guests. <laughs> usually guests come on the show just like you. They've never been on a podcast before, but you're bringing out the big guns. Tell the people where you're working right now. Hey, I am uh, <laughs> currently in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I am an engineer at Microsoft. And you know what's funny is that I... You know, even with this audio setup, you know, listeners right now, you probably can't see it, but I can see Matt right now. And in front of me, I've got a nice fancy mic. Uh, you know, in a past life, you know, I thought about recording music. You know, I've got a, some instruments on me. I've got a, you know, <laughs> a couple different things that I can play. But, you know, I, I just moved to like a new place like in Seattle and I was rummaging through some stuff. And I was like, wow, here's a mic I haven't used in a long time. Why don't I bust it out for the podcast? I love that. Are you going to bust out some music too? What What's your music of choice when you're creating new music? <laughs> well, you know, I lately I've just been jamming some things like on the piano, a little guitar. Uh, it's it's fun. I think like, you know, I really look at a lot of sheet music these days, but it's pretty fun to just, you know, whip out some chords. I hear a cool song and, you know, House of Dragons is playing these days. Wow, maybe I should try to play the intro sometime. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. So are you a running with music person? Or are you running with other, other kind of audio, or do you just go, hey, head, no headphones, I'm just enjoying the space? Oh, you mean not listening to the Rambling Runner podcast? Well, well you, you, you have me in your ears too much. As as your coach, you're probably like, I need a little less Matt Chittam in my life. I'm not going to take it personally if you're not listening to me on the run. Hey, it's only you half the time, right? No. <laughs> Plenty of insight. But no, I, I do listen to a lot of music while I run, too. I mean, 
you know, I change it up every once in a while. Sometimes it's a little podcast. I don't know. I, I think that was something that I started getting into during the pandemic as well, just listening to more podcasts like while I'm running, especially as I started ramping up the time and the mileage and everything. I was like, you know, I could maybe use some of this time to like learn, but I don't know. Maybe that's too many uh, micro optimizations on how I could use my time better. But I don't know. It's nice to just have someone like whispering in my ear every time I'm running too, especially, you know, back during the pandemic, I didn't feel like I was listening to a lot of people speak and it was just nice to just have, feel like someone was there next to me as I run. I like that. The, the micro optimization. What a great line. I feel like we hear so much of that, like with like some like the bro science out there and just like the, like the like completely like try to an optimized life in a sense, right? Whether it's data driven or anecdotally driven, uh, people trying to, to do all they can. Um, as someone who's in the tech world, I feel like a lot of this stuff can like, not that be traced back to the tech world, but it seems to be have a lot of prevalence in the tech world. As have you have you felt that? Yeah, I mean, there's just so much stuff out there for for productivity. I think where like I know myself pretty well, and I <laughs> it's hard for me to juggle multiple things at a time usually. But you know, running just feels so automatic to me at this point, where it's like okay, I don't mind you know listening to something while I'm doing this, or like washing the dishes, or like loading some laundry <laughs> into the into the machine right but you know again even just like in a tech sense yeah there is just so many things where people are you know trying to optimize for things in their life that it, it can kind of gets overwhelming when you try to juggle so many things at a time and time is you know precious but i don't know sometimes it's nice to just be able to only run and only listen to something i don't know Right. Absolutely. And I love the, the idea of like only running because it can be so all encompassing. Right. And sometimes True. overwhelming uh, at the same time. Now, as someone who works in tech and we're not going to be talking about like the tech side of things, we're going to talk about you and your and your entry into running. And a lot of this is going to be going back, you know, a couple of decades. But as someone who works in tech, how have you found your relationship with some of the running metrics you know, whether, you know, not only just in terms of analyzing them after the run, but also just from a wearable perspective and your relationship with technology in a running sense. Mm, great question. Yeah, honestly, I mean, again, as an engineer, I'm a big, big, big graphs guy or even just like I open up Strava. I like to see those bars try to be as uh, <laughs> as close to uh, each other as they can. But, you know, you know, with the amount of data you can get all the time, even just me wearing my like watch when I go to sleep to think like, wow, I didn't get as much sleep last night as I expected to. Or wow, like maybe I was uh, snoring a little bit more than I usually do. And uh, I'm getting like fair as opposed to like excellent on sleep. I don't know. Like I, I enjoy being able to like see all these things. But I think one thing that I've been trying to tell myself uh, as I process a lot of this data is that it's just another data point, right? At the end of the day, I'm going to be exhausted probably from a run or I might feel really good from something. And, you know, I have to keep telling myself like, all right, like, sure, maybe my heart rate was like high, you know, during that last run, but I don't want to read into that too much. I mean, if I'm tired, maybe I should give myself some rest. Maybe I should get a little bit more, you know, sleep tonight. Right. Or maybe I am working a little bit too hard, but you know, there's just so many signals that I'm getting, you know, from a bunch of different wearables where it's like, okay, like if something feels bad, and the data is telling me that something's bad. Probably red flags going on. Maybe I should, you know, try to adjust some things. But when things are good, like, it's great to see, like, 
you know, improvements for a lot of things, right? Like if I look at some of, you know, my past runs, like just even a year ago or even before I started doing marathon training, I would remember like going up some hill and thinking like, wow, this used to get me like exhausted or even just like going through new segments around my city or moving to new neighborhoods. It's like, wow, cool. Like <laughs> I'm improving and it's, it's great to just like see positive things come in that I wish I could get more feedback on. But, you know, again, like I said earlier, it's all just another data point to take in and that I shouldn't, you know, be a slave to, you know, whatever I see down at my wrist every single second. Right. And just just because something can be measured doesn't mean it's meaningful or that the measurement is something that really matters that much. You know, I've, I've spent part of my life wearing a whoop and I've always kind of like, I could have guessed this. In terms of like, the sleep quality, like it wasn't telling me anything that I didn't already know. I wasn't like, oh, I slept really well last night. And like, I didn't realize, <laughs> right? Or like, or the opposite. Yeah. I was never like, <laughs> wow, I thought I slept great. It's too, I can't believe I only got four hours. Like, I was never to the point where I was like, this is telling me new actionable information. Even with the right, HRV right. scores, it's like, okay, so my HRV is down today. Am I not going to run? No, I'm still going to run. Am I going to change my workout? No. Then why do I care? <laughs> kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think yeah, exactly. It, it, and I'm not saying that this technology isn't important or it's not useful in certain cases, but it was more like for me, like, all right, it got to the point where like, I don't think I really need this. I put it back on when I was coming back from uh, COVID just to see like, all right, this could, oh, just kind of wondering, like, I wonder, wonder if this is important information in terms of some of this, some of this stuff. Um, ultimately, it kind of mimicked what I was already feeling. And even like, I, I kind of view it and I feel like my opinion on this is starting to crystallize. In terms of it can be an interesting guide in terms of helping to identify your own capability of reading your body, right? Mm -hmm. So instead mm -hmm. of instead of basically delegating the responsibility of analysis to your watch, using it as a way of kind of being like verifying how you're learning to analyze yourself, right? Whether that's the heart rate or things like that or just even pace, right? Or mm -hmm. threshold mm -hmm. pace, right? The idea of like, all right. I'm going on a threshold run. I know what that feels like. It's kind of like on the cusp of breathing hard. Okay, well, you know, my, my, my threshold heart rate might be X, Y, Z, but at the same time, like, well, if I'm running at threshold pace for five minutes, my heart rate isn't going to, like, be the same as if I was running at threshold pace for 25 minutes. It's going to be, you know, on a linear fashion, go upwards if I'm running on a, on flat ground. So, it's, like, for me, it's, it, it's helpful to crystallize my ability to read my body. As opposed to, all right, I'm delegating responsibility for these things to my watch and thinking that that's the proper mechanism. Mm -hmm. And what's funny, too, is that, well, I'll I'll share a little embarrassing secret with the listeners. But I a couple weeks ago, I was just getting some blood tests done, you know, every once in a while. And I'm notoriously bad with needles. And, you know, after I had like the, the thing pulled out of me, I was like trying to, you know, getting myself back into, uh, you know, a good mental space thinking like, oh, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I looked down my watch and I'm like, wow, my heart rate is going down, like really low. I think I was getting in like the 30s and 40s and I like just started having some anxiety build. And the next thing I know, I was like, okay, I'm going to pass out. And then I like fall out of my chair and the nurse <laughs> is like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, my watch says I like should be dead right now. <laughs> luckily, luckily your watch was wrong. I'm happy to be alive. <laughs> right. Thanks, watch. Thanks for nothing. Um, all right. We'll move off the tech side of things. So 
I'm your coach, but that's not why I'm on you. And that's why I'm not having you on right now. Uh, this is not a coach's corner episode. I just find your story fascinating and what you're doing right now as a runner uh, in terms of like the build that you've had over the last six to eight months is fascinating as well and really, really inspiring, even for me as a fellow runner who's out there trying to do trying to do cool things just like you. So I'm really excited about getting into that. But before we get into what you've been doing recently, which is great stuff, I do want to take us back to the origins of when you started running because unlike ever, most people who kind of get into it, I think that we often on, oftentimes on this podcast, we hear fairly similar stories, but I feel like your story, because I know it a little bit, um, is slightly different in terms of just the reasons why you got into running uh, at an earlier age. Yeah, yeah. My entry into running came a little bit later. Um, you know, just for one thing about my background, too, I'm Filipino-American. Um, both of my parents were immigrants. You know, they moved here in the 80s and 90s and everything. And I really didn't even start running until, like, high school, like, around, like, junior year. Um, I think when I when I began, uh, it was pretty much just, uh, you know, I should run a little bit more. You know, this could be cross, good cross-training for me, like, you know, to be able to play a little bit more tennis or even just, you know, you know, get better cardio in for me. And I remember one summer I when I wanted to sign up for my first 5K, I think I was just doing some like summer class thing. And our teacher at the time was like, hey, I'm going to uh, we won't have class this day or like some sort of like cancellation because I have to run like a 5K that day. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, it'd be funny if I also showed up to that same race and run into my teacher. And sure enough, I show up that day and I'm like, doing my first 5k, I try to train beforehand, naturally, um, I show up, and like, I'm huffing and puffing, I'm running, and like, you know, I hear like, these wheels, like, turning behind me, like, physical wheels, and I turn around, and there's my AP Euro teacher, just rolling by with her and her stroller, and she is zooming, I have no idea what her time was at the end, I barely remember what my time was then either, but wow, I remember just thinking, like, wow, what a strong mom, strong runner right now, to be able to push not just herself but her child going through and yeah it this was way back and then after that I remember just thinking like okay that was pretty fun I I think I want to do this again then I tried out for my you know cross-country team and um you know we didn't have a, a you know super awesome like cross-country team back then and I think it was also a mix of people coming in for sort of the same reason you know it was a public high school like I don't think we were like very competitive but I think a lot of people were also coming in for you know, to be able to just get better cardio for some other sports that they're uh, they were doing, and that was totally fine. And I remember, you know, improving pretty steadily throughout my two years, like my two seasons, like in cross country. But you know, then you know, I really didn't know what I was doing, and maybe I was just following whatever the coach is doing. But I felt like mentally, uh, for me, uh, I was just running hard every single day, and I think that's something that I've sort of had to learn, especially now in the last year of being, you know, coached by you, Matt, you know, easy should be easy. And this wasn't something that I learned super duper well back then. And, you know, it's, it's, that's pretty much how it all got started. I love that. And I know one of the things that you told me um, when we first started working together was that part of the reason that that was a good fit for you was just the cost that, that from a, from a cost perspective in terms of how, you know, youth sports can be, um, unfortunately, so can, can be limiting for certain families because there's a, a benefit to entry. I mean, a benefit, a cost, a, a hurdle to entry. There we go. Um, for, for certain families and it's at various stages and certain sports can be, can be tough financially, right? Especially for younger kids if they keep growing out of stuff in terms of like the equipment and then the travel mm-hmm. and all of that. And I know that at the beginning you said that that was also a factor. Oh yeah. It was huge for me. And you know, 
growing up back then too i remember like some of the other competing high schools too you know they talk like before meets about like oh whatever like running summer camp they went to beforehand you know you know great for them that they had that opportunity but you know in the high school that i went to is you know a pretty big population of the school was also like low income and i think for me growing up like it just didn't really make sense for me to try to get into all these other big team sports where i just had to spend so much more money on like you know equipment or even like lessons like i never felt you know obligated to try to do any of that because you know just thinking on behalf of my parents like i didn't think you know it would be financially reasonable for me to try to you know do all these things that maybe it was just going to be a hobby for me and i never really intended to you know go compete at high school i mean excuse me compete at college or you know go on professionally or anything but you know growing up to i think part of it was pretty hmm what's that word i'm looking for i was pretty self-motivated for a lot of it i think um because again, you know, for my for my parents as immigrants, for them, you know, we weren't a really big sports family. I'm also an only child, so this really wasn't, um, you know, modeled for me for you know for other people in my family. It's not like we were you know around the TV watching like football and basketball every single night. You know, sports weren't really a big thing, and I think I was really motivated to to sort of do this for myself. And again, like um, I, I just didn't have that same model like in our our family to to try to pursue these things like there wasn't a lot of um uh, I think my parents wanted me to focus a lot more like on like school and classes and like academics and everything and I for a little while growing up they were like oh why do you spend all this time like doing all these other things right like maybe you should spend a little bit more time studying there you go this is something that has come up a lot on the podcast when we've talked to people whose parents were new to the United States so they're you know, first generation United States um, citizens, and this is has become almost like I'm surprised when it doesn't come up when I when, when someone's on the podcast and they're like, oh yeah, I'm first generation. It's like it's almost guaranteed that this comes up, and it's such an interesting thing. So, how was that conversation um, between you and your parents? Was it kind of like they said it once, and then it was just kind of an unspoken thing after that, or was it something that was kind of pressed upon you in terms of like the the um the emphasis potentially overemphasis on the academic side as in kind of taking stripping everything else away to be very very focused and be like okay we're all about the out the future outcomes here as opposed to kind of you know the the much more on the result as opposed to the process in terms of you know um academic and mental and emotional growth and, and all the stuff that comes with it and it's obvious it's completely understandable i should say as well for a lot of the parents in the situation to be so focused on that. But for a child, they might not have that same perspective or the same context to be able to understand why some of these things are percolating through. So what was it like for you just um, having that experience and potentially comparing it to maybe the experiences of some of your friends and other classmates? Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like I had to strike the right balance between, you know, academics and like sports for me. Um it did really take a lot of time, you know, I used to spend a lot of time, like, after school, like, doing some other things. I think I did, like, a robotics program briefly. I had some, like, other uh, things I would always have to, like, study for. Um, but, you know, having that conversation with my parents to say, like, hey, I want to do another sport. I want to spend, like, another season, like, doing this. It was like, all right, like, just make sure that it doesn't 
get in the way of like classes and academics for you. And I was like, okay. And like, you know, I come back home and they'd be like, all right, like, how's your report card? Like, hopefully sports aren't getting in the way. And they, you know, want to, of course, naturally want to see my grades and everything. And, um, even just like understanding how frequently I was going to these things, or even just like, uh, the weather, right? Like it would be really hot outside and they'd be like, are you sure you want to go outside for a run today? Like it's 90 degrees in humid Virginia. Or like <laughs> I-, I mentioned before too, just like kind of the, 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 the sort of grip that athletics has like on, uh, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers and stuff. Like one time I was on my way out. I well, I had a brief stint as a soccer player in middle school. And I distinctly remember that I think it was like raining someday. I was like at home and I was putting on my cleats. I was getting ready to go. And I was like, all right, mom, we've got to go soon. Like I've got a soccer game. And she was like, well, it's, it's raining outside. Isn't your game. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but I think you're making a funny face too. It's <laughs> like, it is like in the moment you're like, wait, what? Yeah, I was like, they, they they still do them in the rain. And even to this day, I'll say like, hey, mom, I went for a run today. And she'll say like, oh, isn't it raining in Seattle right now? And I'm I'm like, yeah, it, it always same. is. It, it always <laughs> is. <laughs> That's great. All right. We're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick, quick ad break. And we'll be right back. I mean that's hysterical, right? You have this idea of like, all right, like of course it's raining, of course it's raining outside. Yes, it's hot, right? And it's so funny because I'm sure like if you ever like reversed it, if you were like, you know what, I really want to do my homework today, but it's just so humid. Then oh, you're like, yeah. wait, what? You have to work hard. What are you talking about? You can't be taking a day off. We got to get to it. Come on, Richard. Right? Yeah, You'd have like no that, days that off. feeling. Right, no days <laughs> off. But then it comes to the sports stuff, and it is, it, that is pretty interesting. So, what's it what's it like now? So, like again, we're going to go into your your running in a second here. But now that you have like obviously evolved as a runner, you keep you keep you know taking steps and steps and steps, and here you are. You're you know it's from a fitness perspective, and who knows what happens on race day? You're kind of on the cusp of of a potential BQ in uh you know in the in the coming weeks or or, or whatever. Has that changed at all, or is it still kind of like the same kind of feeling about when you talk about your running or athletics or what have you? You know, these days I feel, you know, especially when it comes to running, I feel like very community driven for a lot of things. Um, I remember at a time during the pandemic, you know, maybe late 2021, there was a time when I just really started getting into a lot of like different like running clubs like around Seattle. And I thought, you know, like, I could just go to an event, like, every single day, like, you know, pop in with this club this day, pop in at this club, like, the other day. And, like, I think that was really what I needed at the time, right? Like, I just wanted that social interaction through the pandemic to be able to, like, you know, go outside and feel like I'm getting interactions, like, you know, with other people. Um, and even now, like, you know, I went on a club run today, went on a club run the other day uh, as well. And it's it's just been so motivating for me to think that I'm getting... Um, I don't know. It, it's nice to be able to to go somewhere that feels familiar and knowing that, like, I have people to keep me accountable. Right. Like for me, you know, not just you as my coach, Matt, but even to just know, like, oh, like this is a recurring thing that happens every single Monday in the evening. Like this is a lock. Like I, I'll always know that I'll have this group of like people to run with me, like, you know, on this night or like, you know, be able to run like on the Saturday and get this long run in and be able to do the distance with me. I think like I've really like fallen in love with the, the, the community aspect of like running that I just really didn't know, 
you know, before I I got to Seattle. I mean, you know, again, like clubs exist like everywhere, but you know, it took a while for me to like start to discover like the joys of being able to to run with other people because again, for the longest time, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I was just running by myself outside every day. So what was the thing that that broke it for you in terms of moving from an individual model into a group model? Because for a lot of people, those first steps are the hardest ones. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I guess it's a story time again. Um, I remember when I, I ran my first uh, half marathon right before uh, the pandemic. So this was late 2019. And I took a photo of myself like, you know, I had some friends like show up to like cheer for me at the end. And I had this gigantic cardboard cut out of my head. And like I posed with it with my medal. Great photo if you scroll down my Instagram. Um, I remember posting that on this page. Uh, there's this Facebook page called... Subtle Asian Traits. It's a meme page for those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, subtle Asian traits online. But there's this gigantic meme page where people like post about their experiences as like Asian Americans online. And I remember, you know, posting that photo of myself and, you know, recounting like again, like a similar photo that I had earlier about, you know, my relationship with my parents and convincing them to, you know, you know, let me run. And it was a it was a hit. I think it had like ten thousand like reactions to it, which was amazing. And there was one person who saw the photo and she was like, "Hey, like this looks like Seattle. Like if you couldn't tell from the space needle in the background, she was like, this looks like Seattle. Like you should come like run at our like run club. We'd like um, meet on Mondays. Um, the group was called um, CSRD. That's Club Seattle Runners Division. Um, and this post went up. I want to say like in January of 2020. And I was thinking to myself like, wow, yeah, like this sounds great. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to like jump in and like run in a group yet. And like, I remember like mulling over it for like, you know, a couple weeks, like, Oh, this is a week. This is a week. This is a week. And I think just like getting through myself to think about like, Oh my good enough to like run with this group of people. Like it took a little while for me to get there. Um, and come March, I was like, all right, this is going to be it. I'm going to show up. And then the pandemic hits and then they like stop doing activities as you know, they, you know, probably should have, you know, for safety. And then like next year rolls around, you know, I, you know, have been running regularly by myself and then they start doing activities again. I like at this point, I'm thinking like, okay, like I feel a lot more confident in myself as a runner. Like maybe I can come now. And like, I remember showing up for the first time and thinking what was in my head the entire time. These are some amazing, fun, extremely nice, like some of the nicest people I've ever met um, ever. And thinking like, you know, it's crazy to think that I was just so in my head at the time that like, you know, why was I, um, I was already motiv- motivated to run, but I think just the scary part was knowing that, like, you know, I'm coming into this space that I'm, like, not familiar with. Like, I don't know any of the people there. Like, I have no idea what's going to go on. And, um, you know, just showing up for that first run and meeting everybody to flashing forward to now, like, you know, a whole year later, like, just knowing so many people, like, in this wonderful community, it's it's it's, it's great. Like, and, you know, I'm, again, obviously a gigantic fan of group running and being able to run with, like, a club now. Yeah, and I feel like, and this is painting with a broad brush, but for a lot of people, some of the common, not the only reasons, but some of the more common reasons why people may not join a club right away is their perceived fitness level Mm -hmm. and or maybe just like perceived body issues, right? Like I might not look like the other runners. And it's interesting because like the running groups that I have seen, I've been a part of, that I've run with, or just people that, you know, I see them, I see them around, right? I see them running. And it's like, you want to like tell somebody like, believe me, this is not going to be an issue. Like, believe me, it's not going to mm-hmm. be like, those are 
there may be other legitimate reasons, but those you're going to find people your pace. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you feel about your body, I guarantee you there's going to be people that look like you. For sure, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. Like, I've been part of running clubs that have some extremely fast runners. We're talking about people who, like, ran at Stanford, right? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And even in that group, there are people who were like, yeah, when I run, I run 13-minute miles. Right? That's just, and that was fine. And, they, and even they, and they had a place, and they had a home, and they were some of the most, you know, some of the best people in the club in terms of they were always there. They were super nice to everybody. They were, you know, they were the kind of people who would, you know, take a leadership role. They were, um, you know, they were not only nice, but they were supportive and they were, you know, they, they just, they hit all the, they checked all the boxes and their fitness level did not matter at yeah, all. Yeah, absolutely. And again, even with that, right? Like, again, I'm a Filipino American and I remember, you know, showing up in my first couple ones and like thinking like, wow, there are other people who look like me in this club. And I thought that was just really, really inspiring. Like one of the leaders of the club is also Filipino American. And I remember, um, I remember talking at an event at one point and I sort of made this joke and I was like, you know, growing up for me again, you know, I tried a bunch, bunch of different sports and in middle school, I was doing like karate for a while. And I was like, you know, like growing up, I had Bruce Lee. Now I have Jason Sanchez. <laughs> it's, you know, Jason's like, again, the, the other Filipino American runner in like the group. And, you know, for, for him, like, I, I think that was one of the first times that I really felt like fitness was like modeled for me you know, again, as a Filipino American, like seeing like, wow, this guy like is a marathon runner. Like I thought to myself thinking like, I've never seen another like Filipino runner before, like not a Filipino marathoner. And this is, this is amazing to me. And like for the longest time too, I just thought to myself like, oh, it's just going to be halves. I don't think I can do the distance and really just like building the confidence and like seeing other people again, who look like me to be able to like, you know, do these hard things, reach, you know, you know, make new challenges for themselves and like you know, go after them. It's been super inspiring. Yeah. Can you speak more to that? Because I think that's a really interesting point uh, for people who maybe have experienced it and maybe people who haven't as well. Um, Because I know that you have friends and colleagues of all different backgrounds and ethnicities. And yet at the same time, this feeling of I've seen someone who looks like me do this and almost like it gives you not permission, but almost like it's on some on some level, like lowers the barrier. To entry, can you speak more to that? Because I feel like that—that's something that oftentimes gets missed with with a lot of this stuff, and, and I think can be, um, I guess, you, know, you just open the floodgates, right? You see it in so many other sports as well. Like you think about, like, um, say, Ripak with South Korean golf, right? Like mm-hmm. she also she wins a major, and all of a sudden South Korea it just explodes. In oh golf. yeah after she does that, right? You've seen it the same thing with like the Little League World Series and, 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 and things like that where you have all of a sudden you have see a success that all of a sudden starts this tidal wave of success. And again, it doesn't have to be like that, but it does. That's certainly, those are kind of like the extreme examples, but I think it, you know, even those extreme examples tell the same story of why representation can matter, not just for a group of people, but for an individual. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's representation, Matt. Like it really is. And you know, I, of of course, naturally, I'm going to shout out, like, you know, long-term friend of the podcast, Carolyn Sue. She's been doing amazing, amazing things on Diverse We Run. And, you know, I've, again, you know, I've had friends who are featured on this, and I read their stories, and I think, like, wow, I didn't know this about you. Like, I, I see you outside. I see you, like, getting the work done every day. But, you know, hearing their stories about, you know, how they feel about being properly represented in the world of running, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And I think just to be able to see these images of people like, 
you know, doing things and getting after their, their goals, like, it's great. And I'm young. I, <laughs> I, I ingest a lot of content, like, from the internet and through social media. And I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm, like, you know, getting all these, like, pictures of, like, you know, other people running. And I, like, see another person of color, like, posting their, uh, 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 you know, picture of them running. I'm double tapping that. I'm liking that. I'm commenting on it. I'm going to give them that thumbs up. I'm going to give them that kudos. Like, I love, absolutely love seeing people, like, you know, post about, you know, them, them, them running and being outside and just, you know, having joy like that. I, I just, I don't know what to say. It's, it's representation. And I think like, you know, sure, these are like maybe small pockets of, you know, you know, echo chambers that I see like, you know, on social media. And I wish, I wish when I started running, I got the opportunity to see this earlier because maybe if I did, maybe I would have like started feeling better about my journey into running or like felt more confident about it. Had I seen more people who look like me online doing this? And it's, 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 it's a lot because, you know, on social media, you don't always get you know, the, the content that maybe would be more positive for you, like in, 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 um, in any aspect. And I think for me, I think maybe this, uh, the echo chambers give, started giving me some, some better stuff. But again, you know, I am really inspired to see, you know, better representation, like through some of these other accounts, like online. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point here in that, and I don't think it was, was the, it wasn't the point of what you were just saying, but it was like layered in there is this idea of not only representation, but representation of people of similar abilities, yes, right? So you're yes. not just simply talking about like, I need the pro runner who, you know, resembles me or we have similar backgrounds and things like that. It's not just that, which is, I mean, I'm sure that that's great, but at the same time, people, everyday runners, the dedicated amateur runners and, and the, that sort of content and people posting that sort of stuff um, can be, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, do, do you feel like that has the same amount of inspiration, motivation, uh, impact on you? No, 100%. I'm glad you brought that up too, because I mean, you know, we hear about people who, you know, will say like, oh, just debuted my uh, marathon for the first time and they go sub three right off the bat. I look at their profile, former D1 athlete, you know, super like champion like from like high school and it's crazy it's like wow great for you like i'm glad you you know had that opportunity but again for some of these people who are like starting running later in their life you know finding this new outlet for themselves like experiencing the joy of running you know at any stage in life you know it's great and i'm happy to start seeing more people like post about these things online and just you know getting getting to do these amazing things for themselves. Absolutely. Who was, who are some of the people, again, they can be big names. They can be not big names. Who are some people you consistently draw motivation and inspiration from? Ah, you know, I'm just going to shout out yet another relay person out here. Kafuzi. He's doing amazing things. He just hit his first sub three hour marathon, like a few months ago. And as I was following him on YouTube, you know, at each of his like different like marathons i'm thinking like man i can't wait for this guy to like finally hit that goal i once he hit it i thought like man like i think i could do that too and you know i had only run my first marathon earlier this year and at first you know i had some goals there Boston but, like, 2022 you did Boston it my man we'll talk about it in a little bit for sure <laughs> yeah thanks for the thanks for the teaser but no like i i i, I love just like seeing other people again 
set these great goals and you know sure it maybe doesn't happen the first time maybe it doesn't happen the second time but really just like putting in the work over time you know eventually and getting there it's 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 amazing and even just like at the local level too like seeing some friends like in the clubs like getting to 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 better times you know improving steadily you know i I love i love being able to see that improvement from people like just documented online and you know it's tough to like post you know post about your journey because sometimes it it it, um things don't always go your way and you know i've had friends who like dnf'd and i remember thinking like wow like that that sounds extremely extremely tough um but i know that if that scenario were to ever happen to me like that's modeled for me now right like i don't i've never had to like you know hop out of like in, in the middle of a race but i know that like you know seeing some of my friends like you know see hearing through some of their stories about like what the experience was like you know having to stop in the middle of a race you know i i i know that'll be okay in the end and you know like i know that this has happened to you in the past recently too matt and i remember like hearing a lot about you bounce back from that and you know if this ever happens to me like i know that everything will be okay and you know it it's it it these goals like are just goals like you know i'll hopefully i get the chance to you know keep going at it like over time as well but you know hearing other people like post about their stories and like um improve and get at them it's it, it's great i love seeing that that makes two of us all right quick ad break and we'll be right back with richard all right man well, let's talk about some of your goals well i shouldn't say that let's talk like let's talk about this year right so we started working together and it was a really quick turnaround it was like I'm running Boston in six weeks. I was like, oh boy, <laughs> let's get <laughs> <Yes>. to it. <laughs> um, so obviously like the training you did for Boston, I mean, I, I like to think I was like helpful in those six weeks, but obviously a lot of it was baked in to what has already happened. And you were training really, really well. So you had Boston as your first marathon. Obviously that doesn't happen very often. Tell us how that even happened for you that you actually had a chance to run Boston as a first time marathoner. Yeah, so it I got a pretty lucky break to be able to run the Boston Marathon as my my first one um well, what's even funny is that before before I knew that Boston was you know on the table like I got a lottery entry you know, uh, a few months ago you know just from some of the mini lotteries that they're doing I got a lottery entry to run the Tokyo 2023 marathon thinking like wow that's amazing like a major marathon for my first marathon like maybe I should, like, do something smaller. <laughs> maybe I should do a smaller marathon before that. And then what's A little a... town called Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little town called Boston. I, 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 you know, managed to get the entry through, um, through the club, actually. You know, there was a few community entries that um, were given to our club, and, you know, one of the captains in the club, like, reached out to, um, you know, our, uh, the place where we communicate with each other and was like hey like let us know if you're interested in running the boston marathon the only caveat is that it's in nine weeks so let me know if you feel physically ready to do it um it's a lot it's a lot to take in and i remember thinking wow nine weeks train for a marathon this sounds exactly like my energy i think i'm gonna go for it because i thought in that moment too like when am i gonna get the opportunity again to be able to just you know go for it and go for the boston marathon and you know it it was an amazing experience and there was just such such um 
such a crazy time for me ramping up for that because I had to like instantly I w- I'm a big book guy and I was like flipping through a lot of books and thinking like okay like learn how to marathon like advanced marathoning like uh, Jack Daniels formula like find all these like different training programs for me to like ramp up and like I was thinking wow like this is kind of overwhelming and I just started started figuring it out for myself for a couple weeks like okay at some point I probably need to do a 20 miler here's my 20 miler <laughs> you know I've had a hard time just gauging whether or not I did well, but you know, the miles did it. And then at some point I was like, you know, this is great. I think I'm doing fine. Maybe I should have a coach to help me <laughs> to, to help me parse through some of this, uh, uh, some of, through some of this training. And, you know, uh, eventually I get to the start line of Boston and I do the thing. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. This is very similar to, we had two people in the show in the spring who got entries through native women running. So one of them was a former college runner and another one wasn't, but it was like, you know, they got, you know, Native women running, got a couple spots and they were able to pass them out to people. Same sort of thing. Like, it's like, hey, it's a quick, quick turnaround. We're kind of taping, taking applications within the group here. You know, let us know. And they were able to select some people who would be able to handle the training, handle the, whatever, you know, the, the, the quick turnaround, the two months of training or so, and then also be able to handle, like, be able to run the race, right, to make the most of the opportunity, no matter what their pace was. It wasn't about that. It was just being able to handle race day and, and the challenges that go along with it. And here you are, man. You had that experience. And I'll tell you what, your Boston, I'll say, for a lot of people, Boston, especially more inexperienced marathoners, especially more inexperienced marathoners who are pretty fit, Boston can be tough because it can be kind of like a speed trap mm-hmm. in the first half marathon, right? You uh, first 10K, you're going downhill. Obviously, you're super excited, right? The energy is way up. You're in this big crowd of people, and you got the fans are there. It's just an exciting atmosphere, no matter what. And you put that in the powder keg with a downhill 10K. It's so easy to go out fast, even if you know better, it's so easy. And this was one of the things that I took from your first experience here was how good at pacing you were and obviously how strong you were because some pacing is one thing being strong enough to execute it is a whole nother thing but you executed it so well right you end up running 804 pace for the whole thing just shade over 330 but the first half you ran 142 so you had a very slight positive split but in the end that's from an effort perspective is almost was like a perfect split because if you're, you know, obviously the, the second half is where all the hills are and things like that. So the fact that you were so close to an even split in Boston, it really is a testament to your pacing ability and your strength and your ability just to manage the emotions of the day because it's a it's a challenging day. Now, obviously you went into it with a lot of expe- expectations and also not knowing, right? Because here you are, you're like you're in Seattle, you're flying over to Boston, a world marathon major, your first marathon. What was just like the emotion, managing the emotions of the moment like? I'm not gonna lie, I I was pretty anxious leading up to it. You know, I I told myself like, okay, like I'm gonna come, I'm gonna fly in a couple days earlier. I'm gonna settle in. You know, I'll run around, maybe do a couple parts of the course, just let let myself, you know, shake off the nerves and get into it. Um. I remember in the days leading up to it, there was just so many, so many events going into Boston, just like different things happening, like, um, on, on the streets, like near the finish line around like, you know, Boylston, Hereford and everything. Um, and a lot of these events, you know, that were hosted were like, you know, from like people from different communities, you know, there was a lot of, um, events where it surprisingly reminded me a lot of home. You know, there was a lot of, like, running group collaborations, like, happening 
um, you know, in the days leading up to the marathon. And I remember just thinking, wow, like this, this, this really feels like I'm getting into something bigger than me. And there's a lot of like moments where I thought like, wow, this person's like flying in from this place. This person came in from another country. Like I, it could have gone two ways, right? Like either the fact that like knowing that, wow, a lot of people have been training their entire lives for this. Like who am I to be able to go into this place, uh, like this place and run it, you know, as my first marathon, like I was getting a little bit of like imposter syndrome, like thinking like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I belong here, but you know, like going to some of these like events that I mentioned earlier and just like seeing other people like um, run their marathon. And I, part of it too is like, it's hard to think about Boston without, having the looming idea that like oh everyone who is here qualifies that's absolutely not true there's some incredible incredible work happening um from other people who run boston and have raised an incredible amount of money you know for great charities and it's again there's a lot of there's a lot of hype that goes behind you know hitting a bq and again super happy for people who manage to hit their bq but sometimes people are just like you know i want the experience of being able to run boston as well and you know again the same thing happened to me like where i didn't come in the traditional way and really just leaning into the idea that like you know i do deserve to be here you know sure this is my first marathon but like i'm gonna run my own race and this is something that i still have to tell myself like all the time you know in any race scenario is like i'm running in my own race like this is me i got to the start line i'm gonna cross that finish line absolutely no matter what and it's it 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 was a lot of anxiety like going into boston having carrying some of these emotions with me but you know once i got to start line i was like all right it's time to let it go it's it's time to start running let's do this yeah and good for you for doing that right and you you bring up um those emotions surrounding that and thank you for doing that and, and providing us with that kind of candor because i can definitely tell you that if i was in that situation i probably would have felt a lot of those same a lot of those same things, right? Um, especially if things started to not go well in the race course, be like, oh, I didn't even qualify. And what am I doing here? But the fact of the matter is that Boston wanted you to be here. This is why they gave out those slots. This is why they had that those, those kinds of programs where they will allow people to come in and there's different kind of like alternate selection processes and things like that. Like, it's not like you, you weren't a bandit runner. You didn't like show up in the course and just jump in, right? You were selected to be there and good for you for... You know, despite you know some some, some wishy washy feelings leading up, yeah. ultimately embracing that because um, obviously it's hard to run a marathon when you're not fully engaged. It's hard enough even if you are <laughs> to say nothing of it if, if you aren't. Yeah, I mean, I I I told myself like getting to that start line. You know, I did a twenty mile or two. I think I could do this thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And you really, really did. So kudos to you. You, you got the, again, just a shade over 330, that 804 pace and the, the really, really well done pacing. Once you finished Boston, you had the requisite recovery. I know you and I were looking really, really looking forward to the fall. 100%. For you, what was it like coming out of Boston and looking at another marathon and everything that preceded? Did you come into that, into that next cycle energized were you kind of fatigued coming out of boston because it was it really was a shorter turnaround like what was that like heading into that next cycle Mm -hmm. you know truthfully i i remember finishing and thinking like wow i i feel hungry to do this thing again um and in a way i i am you know again you, you mentioned this earlier but you know i was just a little shy of 330 but 
in a way, I'm kind of glad that I didn't hit that. Like, I I remember walking away thinking, like, okay, like, this is another goal for me to hit the next time around, right? Like, I didn't leave everything on the table. There's something for me to come back into this. And, you know, of course, again, I'm young. I'm Googling some stuff like, what do you do right after a marathon? And, like, one of the things they always tell you is, all right, like, as soon as you finish, like, don't go and sign up for your next one immediately afterwards, right? Like, it's taking the emotions, you know, really, you know, bask in the fact that you just did something incredible. And I told myself, like, okay, I will savor the fact that I just ran my first marathon. I did amazing. I will soak in the best emotions right now. And then maybe I'll unpack this a little bit later, and maybe I'll put my credit card away before I sign up for my next one. <laughs> um, and And I... I remember thinking too, again, it's crazy. It's crazy that the Boston was my first one and that Tokyo is around the corner. But now it's kind of funny because now it almost feels like I have a taste for, you know, some of the world's best marathons. And I thought, you know, you know, it'd be great if my next marathon was also a major marathon. And sure enough, less than a month now, a couple weeks coming up, I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon. And, you know, I've you know, been making my way through the fundraiser. And again, you know, as, as I finished, as I finished Boston, I was really thinking like, okay, what's my next one? What's my next one? It took me a couple of weeks to really just like sit with it and think about like what my next steps were going to be. And I knew that a lot of people in my community were going for Chicago. And I was like, you know, like, let's run it back. You know, let's, let's make this entire thing a party. And, you know, knowing that there's going to be some other people alongside me training for this thing at the same time, like that definitely helped me like stay motivated in terms of, you know, staying on top of all the workouts and, you know, just knowing that, like, it's going to be, there's going to be some familiar faces. And, like, maybe that was one thing that I thought about in Boston, too, is that, like, sure, like, first marathon, there's a lot of un- unfamiliar things. But, like, you know, having a couple familiar faces around me felt really good. And, you know, this time around, it I, I feel like it's just going to be familiar, ter- uh, familiar territory. And, you know, these are absolutely things that I'm just, like, looking forward to. And, you know, I hope, I really hope that the second one coming up, is going to be a good one for me. I'm, I'm, I have high hopes, and I know, and not, high hopes is nothing. I fully, conf, I'm fully confident in, in what's going to happen. You've done an unbelievably good job. With that said, I think what you brought up is is a great point about like when you're in a running group, it can, it's, it's obviously a lot of fun, and especially with that social aspect and you know the accountability side potentially too as well, which is also nice. But when sometimes when like the training gets off kilter in terms of like I'm training for this and then this other person is training for that, sometimes the long runs don't really jibe and it's like you have to kind of mix and match. I'll do this part with this person, maybe. But when you're all kind of getting ready for the same race, no matter where it is, whether you're flying to it or it's a race around the corner, it does allow you to have a certain amount of alignment with some of your normal running partners, which again, you're not going to have all of your races be chosen for that reason, but it does, it does create a nice symbiosis when it does happen. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) it's fun too. I mean, you know, the club, you know, they're organizing a, a marathon training program for like everybody. Um, And again, you know, going back to the whole like accessibility thing I mentioned earlier, like we're doing this thing for free. And I think just really giving people the opportunity to, um, feel like that they can train for a marathon, like not quite by themselves, but like with a community of people, like, um, it's great. And I think one of the harder things for me approaching into it before was thinking like, man, am I going to have to like, you know, go through one of these like programs, like, um, for some other thing in the city where I'd have to like pay to be able to get there. But no, like, I think, you know, having that accessibility, like through the club of knowing like, oh, other people are doing this too. And we're, you know, training together and it's 
you know, free and, you know, I can have these people to come to in case I have any like questions about things. Like it's amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be, uh, you know, going through this process with, you know, dozens of other people who are also, you know, you know, getting ready to get to the start line in Chicago. I love that. And we're not going to have you call your shot. You'll have your, your goals and your fitness or your business. But I will say, let's talk about your most recent race. Cause it's, cause I think this is, I love the race selection. I loved everything about this, your effort there. You know, over the summer, you had a couple other races. You had some shorter races, like from the mile to the fuck. You did a bunch of really cool stuff this summer. We spent a lot of time running fun races, which I think was a really, a really in- interesting way of training, a more fun and interesting way of training, I should say. And also, you're out there sending PRs, which is also a, a, <laughs> a, a joy and, and and something that we always want to do. Even if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But it always is nice when it does happen. That's for sure. But... You ran a half marathon recently. You did the rock and roll uh, half marathon in Bellevue, right? So it, was, it used to be the rock and roll Washington. They had to cancel it. They changed the name. Good luck trying to find it on the internet. For, for a major race, it was really hard to find, um, <laughs> especially on their own website. But with that said, this race, my gosh, <laughs> was like such a challenging race course. It was super duper hard. And I loved it. I loved everything about this. I love that you chose it, especially leading into a marathon, which is notorious for being fast and flat. You go out, you choose a half marathon. Obviously, it's, it's near where you live, so that's, that's part of it potentially. But it's a super, super challenging race. It's hills everywhere, a monster hill leading into some other hills. And it was, you know, a huge endeavor. You go out there and you absolutely crush it. So, Kudos for you, man. Like, this was an awesome, awesome thing to see. And we had a conversation before the race just in terms of how to navigate it because it really needed its own special race plan. There's no question about it. So I guess I have to ask you, first of all, what made you want to sign up for this race, which was basically from a road racing perspective, the exact <laughs> opposite of what you're going to be seeing on Marathon Day? You know, thank you. Um, <laughs> I mentioned earlier that, you know, going out of Boston, I was like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm going through the race and I'm thinking, okay, I have to eat these hills for breakfast right now. Like I have to keep going. You mentioned this course. I, I'm shaking my head right now thinking, wow, like I'm just looking back at like, so it it was hill after hill after hill. And at the time, I'm going to be honest with you, Matt, I had no idea what the course was going to be ahead of time. Um, and you said all these things about like, I can't believe you picked something that hard. And I'm thinking, I can't believe I picked something that hard. It, it, it was a doozy. It was an extremely tough um, race. And I remember as I'm going through this, this course, you know, I hit a hill. I'm going to keep it steady. You know, I'm sticking to the plan that we, we made along, um, along the way. And I'm thinking like, okay, like, give it a couple more miles, like a couple more hills. Like people are going to be dropping absolutely like flies and i'm i'm glad we like you know did a little like course preview to just think about like you know what what to expect because if i had gone blind to this thing oh yeah i'd be another one of those flies on the ground right now it 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 was tough i came out early rather i felt confident going into this knowing that i had just recently broken a bunch of like prs and you sort of just mentioned it pretty quickly earlier but you know i remember that I had this great progression going into it, right? I raced my mile. I raced my 5K again. I raced my 10K again. And those are all, like, huge PRs for me. And I'm thinking, like, okay, it's time to time to get another one. 
no matter what, I was telling myself, like, okay, like, I haven't run a half marathon again since <laughs> my first one back in 2019. This is going to be an amazing one no matter what. And and as I cross the finish line, I'm thinking, like, wow, I I just did that. Like, thinking again to my first half marathon, like, thinking, like, wow, I can't walk right now. The The... The, the improvement since I, like, first started, like, running has just been, you know, tremendously amazing for me to just think about how how much I've improved. And, again, like, it, sure, it was, like, a tough race, but I remember just crossing the finish line and thinking, like, huh, I can walk. This is great. I, like, I finish and I go back to the cheer station for the running club and I'm like, hey, guys, what's up? And they're like, wait, didn't you just finish? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm back here to support the rest of the people, like, you know, about to cross the finish line, too. And, you know, I, I was happy. I, I'm extremely happy, Matt, that, like, um, you know, this was, again, just, like, what, four weeks before the marathon? I think this was a great baseline for me to just think about, like, what's going to, you know, come next. And, again, because it's a pretty different course. It was hilly, but, like, if I extrapolate that, into like you know what i might do next month at chicago like i'm extremely optimistic yeah and you should be so you ran that just over seven minute pace over an extremely challenging course and we didn't taper going into it right this was part of a marathon cycle so the the two days before it wasn't quite what we normally do but it wasn't like a week taper or anything right that's for sure so um it will be interesting i know coming up you know we'll finish off the long runs we'll do a little five mile kind of like running test in uh-huh. a sense, like 10 days out. Um, but now that, that, that will help with determining marathon pacing. But I think ultimately we already know where you're at. So that's just like, those like a fun little, like five mile at like a hundred, hundred to 200 foot decline on average, like over the course of the five miles mm-hmm. that way, kind of like kind of strips away some of the tiredness of the cycle in the lack of a taper. So you're like, all right, like, if you go hard for five miles and you have that little bit of a downhill over the course of the five miles, you pretty much get a sense of what like your five mile time is. And then we can kind of extrapolate it out again. That's not the only metric. That's not the only data point, but it is a nice one, especially at the end of the cycle. Uh, and we'll go from there, but you're set up to do really, really well in Chicago. And no matter what, I hope you have a great experience and the cycle is what it is. So everything you've done before it is not altered by what happens in Chicago. It stands on its own and it's completely silo. So Richard, Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Happy to be here again. <laughs> All right, and thank you to Exact Health, the the of uh, the official physical therapy app on the Rambling Runner podcast. In all seriousness, go check it out. It's now available in the United States. That's E X A K T. It's a free app. It's really good. You're going to get some great stuff out of it, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running.